You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is uh, Adrian Schmidt, CEO of Bouquet.ai. I got Bouquet of Flowers. That's the website, Bouquet.ai. So, Adrian, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Hey, Rich. Thanks for having me. Um, it's also like a bouquet of data applications, actually. <laughs> oh, that's true. What, what about a cornucopia, or was that too long of a of a name? Uh, that could be uh, something. Does it even fit in a Twitter, in a tweet? <laughs> Well, actually, yeah, if you come out with the, you know, related products, maybe you'll call one the cornucopia version if it's, uh, you know, maybe that's the professional or industrial version of bouquet, you know, just to, to finish out the bad jokes. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, actually, uh, you know, we're talking more and more about the name of our product, which is Aristotle, which is, you know, pretty mm. lengthy in itself. It's quite a mouthful. Okay. Right. Well, tell me about Bouquet. What's the premise of the company? Yeah, so we work in natural language processing, and we use um, AI algorithms and, and NLP uh, to help people get answers to questions they have. Um, so people uh, are in companies. We work in, we're in the B2B space. And basically, can you just ask your data a question and get an answer? Imagine a kind of Siri for data. So you have data well, all sorts nice. of databases and apps, and just ask a question and get an answer. Huh. Yeah, I mean, right now you got to take the data and put it in spreadsheets and pivot tables and all kinds of analyses and statistics. So what what kind of questions uh, are you able to answer or do you want to be able to answer right now? So we're focusing on databases, right? So exactly the kind of questions that you'll, uh, the kind of data that you'll have in spreadsheets, um, in reports, in dashboards. Uh so imagine you're a salesperson or a sales manager. You want to explore opportunities for, you know, your team, how much they're worth, um, how a specific salesperson is doing. Um, if you're more on the financial side, if you want to, you know, collect and, and round up all these numbers on your division part. Um, but we're also looking at some really cool operational use cases. So imagine you're in a store and um, you uh, want to service customers better, can you look up inventory? Uh, can you look up, you know, product descriptions, you know, simply by using voice commands? So that's, that's really what we're trying to, we're trying to make all this data accessible super easily uh, and, in a, you know, in the fastest, uh, simplest way by using voice, which, you know, is one, probably our most natural way to interact. So this is B2B for... Um... For back office staff, like customer service people or warehouse people, or who would be the specific users of it? Yeah, it's definitely B2B right now. Um, and so customer service reps, we have a use case there when they need to look up information very quickly on a specific customer. 
uh, in our use case, it's people who need to know how uh, a customer has been using a product when they have them on the line. So uh, analyzing usage data on the fly, so saying, hey, how much of this has been consumed? Uh, can you split that by product? Um, what was the growth year to year? Um, how about for this specific product or this specific region? Um, and you know, really being able to ask those questions uh, on the fly, uh, imagine that without Aristotle, what you have to do is um, you know, browse through a, you know, a bunch of dashboards or reports. Um, and if you don't want to do that, you have to call someone up to do it for you, uh, which is not mm. the most cost-efficient way or even the fastest way possible to do that. Well, you it's certainly can't do of, it in uh, real time. Yeah, exactly, right? Unless you know it by heart, which would be awesome, right? If we just knew all these numbers on the top of my mind. Um, but if it's not the case, then imagine if you could just ask someone or virtual someone, which would be Aristotle, and hey, you know, I just need this number, and Aristotle knows it on the fly and just gives it back to you instantly, you know, 24-7, wherever you are, um, and, um, and through any kind of channel. So, you know, we, I talk about voice, so you can, you know, do that through Alexa. But if you're in an open space and you feel kind of uncomfortable talking to your computer, then, you know, you could just use Slack or Microsoft Teams or, you know, whatever instant messaging system uh, your company uses uh, to get the answer. We even support oh, that's consumer channels. Yeah. Huh. So uh, how far along are you with this? Is it uh, in use? You know, are there any specific use cases that you can talk about? Yeah. So we're in um, what we've done so far is build out the technology um, and started to run it out as a beta product with a bunch of companies. Um, so mostly pretty big ones. And uh, we've seen a, a pretty wide variety of use cases. So uh, in one case, it's really for uh, an internal use of a big you know, data warehouse of stuff. And you have a team of analysts who answer questions from marketing, from engineering, uh, from quality assurance. Um, and they get questions all the time on their data. And you know what the fact is that a high percentage of those questions, and I think the, the commonly agreed upon measure is about 60% of those questions are pretty basic, right? Not like super sophisticated stuff that you need you know, to spend three weeks analyzing, uh, but actually pretty basic stuff. And things that are totally automatable with um, a question and answer system like, like Aristotle. It's just that the users don't know where to look for the data. When they do know how to look for the data or where to go, they don't necessarily know how to query the data. And there's not maybe, even if they have dashboards or reports, they don't even know which one to find or to get. Or, you know, another explanation is that a lot of them are just kind of lazy, don't want to do it, right? Uh, so to answer that, well, you know, Aristotle provides the, the, the experience that users uh, can have talking to someone, uh, a real person, because they just ask basically their question and Aristotle will engage in a conversation to try to understand what they're saying exactly and uh, provide an answer. It'll be really interesting if you get it to the point where it's listening to, let's say the customer service interaction or the salesperson interaction, and it's prompting and suggesting metrics and data based on the context of the conversation. Like, uh, you know, customers are asking, uh, oh, you know, will this, uh, will this pipe be able to, I don't know, you know, carry uh, 100 PSI of, of whatever, you know, 600 pound steam. And, you know, the AI looks in the database and says, you know, our pipes are rated to blah, 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 this, this size. And it prompts the salesperson or the customer service person with the right data without them even asking. 
Oh man, wouldn't that be cool? Exactly. And um, I think this is, this, we'd love to do that. Um, and it's, it's, it's on our roadmap. Uh, I think you just nailed it. Exactly. Uh, basically what you want to do, our end game, right, is uh, what we call casual data usage. So having data being used and being accessible at any time of day, whenever you need it, right? And anything we can do to remove the steps that it takes from, to get from you to the data you need to support the conversation you're having or the presentation you're making or the email that you're writing or even the thought process that you're having, anything that you can do to remove those steps goes in the direction of what we want to do. So what you just suggested there is obviously awesome because it, you don't even have to query to ask a question. You get the answer just from the conversation. You know, you, you get the prompts just from the conversation. So I think you, you really got the idea. I think you'd be able to figure that out actually pretty quick because if you listened in on, I don't know, a thousand CSR calls, you'd be an 80-20 there. You know, all right, these same issues seem to be coming up over and over and the CSR is best to answer them in this way. So you could create a... You can probably figure this out pretty quick by doing that, you know, or same thing with sales. It's like tuning the script, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so what you're what you're seeing here is, uh, is I mean, you're describing this this casual data usage because then CSRs could get this insight when they need it and and have a much more meaningful conversation. Even from a customer perspective, you're talking to someone who's immensely knowledgeable about what you're uh, what you're telling this person uh, and can provide the right feedback and provide uh, the, the, you know, the right insights and advice and how to, you know, sort your, your personal situation. So, so I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think I love it. I think it's great. That's really what we're doing. It'd be funny. You should, uh, you should say your, your, your Avengers endgame goal is to eliminate half of all questions. <laughs> Sorry, that joke. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah. The, the oh. Q4 goal or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll put that in. I'll put that in. Yeah, you know, I don't know if they'll, if, they'll, if they'll like that or they'll throw stuff at you and say stop with the bad jokes, but it's there for you if you want it. So, um, all right, I'll take okay. a good note. Interesting. So, um, how far along are you in this process? And um, you know, if you have it in use live in certain test cases, you know, what's been the experience of the person providing the service from the company side? You know, the CSR or salesperson, and what's been the experience from the customer side? Do you have any data or anecdotes from that? Yeah. So, um, well, as I said, you know, we're 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 in uh, in late beta, so we've been working with uh, companies on on actual rollouts. Um, I would say, what what are some fun insights? Because a lot of the insights that we got is, you know how to work on this kind of thing in an enterprise environment with all, you know, the security confidentiality, how to make, you know, how to actually match on enterprise data, which usually is not super clean, uh, can be pretty complex. So, so aside from the, the technical stuff, um, I think one of the insights is that, you know, a lot of people are, people love voice, right? Uh, they, they always yeah. want to have uh, this use case of voice, um, but in practice, uh, when it's when you talk about rollouts, we're still using text as the input method. It's the same uh, question that you can ask. Uh, it's natural language. It's a, it's usually a short question and then a dialogue with a follow up. In the reality of things, we're still uh, they're still using text. So even though we design our questions in our dialogues uh, for voice, it's still kind of text. So that's that's on the that's kind of like on the down to earth uh, kind of thing. Um, the uh, the other thing is that you know we had a kind of 
we were a little bit hesitant to, to talk about simple simplicity, simple questions, things like that. We always felt that, you know, we would be kind of like the company coming in and doing simplistic stuff. And, and yeah, you could do voice, but it's going to be really simplistic. And, but in fact, um, that was totally the wrong way to see it. And, and simple is good, right? Um, so our concern about being simplistic was like, no, 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 no. You know what? Um, we want to do basic stuff because we want that experience that looks like search, right? When you search, you know, you, 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 it's instant. You don't think about it. You know exactly how it works. You don't have to ask yourself a bunch of questions. It just works. What do you mean simplistic? You mean people wouldn't like to be forced to ask the question in a simple way. They'd rather just ask it in their technical gobbledygook and, you know, their internal company. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we're in the space which is, you know, analyzing data, right? So uh, you have simple questions. Some questions are really simple, like how many items did we sell last week or did we ship last week, right? That's a really simplistic question or a simple question compared to, um, you know, what is uh, the forecasted variance of our shipment, right. uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and we were a little bit, you know, saying, well, let's start with the simple level one questions and, and, and hope for the best. Um, but those are, there's a lot of questions like that going around, actually. But you know and, why uh, that's better? You know why that's better? Because if you require people to talk in that way, then when they turn around and talk to customers, or even internally, it's going to be clearer communication if you force them to do it in the simple layman's way. You know, it. That way, there'll be no miscommunication. And again, if, if people are used to talking really technically, then they get on the phone with a customer or whatever it is, and they come come at them with all this internal acronym-laden, again, gobbledygook. The person's Absolutely. not going to understand, and they're not going to do well. And this, So this will kind of force the whole organization to go in the right direction anyway by doing this. Yeah, and let me give you an example here. Um, but how about this question? Um, so you're talking to an executive, and the executive says, why are people leaving? So it's like talking about his staff, right? Yeah. Why are people leaving? Well, that's that's a tough question, right? I mean, why are people leaving? I mean, you imagine asking the system, why are people leaving? Right? Uh, well, um, well, the first question, follow-up question is, are people leaving, right? So how many people left last quarter, last year? Is it growing or not? Okay, so 312 people yeah. left. Um, how many left last year? Um, well, 280. Okay, so actually less people or more people are leaving, right? Um, in which department, right? And then you, you start, you, you have this broad question that seems untackable, but in fact, you can ask, you know, sub-questions that are themselves really simple, not simplistic, almost simplistic, but I mean, really simple, but that give a tremendous amount of insight to answer the really tough question, which is why are people leaving? You see, right. that's the kind of thing that uh, that we that we that we discovered is that a really tough problem could be kind of addressed with simple questions as long as you make it easy, fast enough to get the answer. And um, and that's what we call casual data usage. You know, why are people leaving? Let me just first check how many people left, where they left, is it increasing, um, and, and and then I can decide what to do about it. It sounds like that this really needs also an expert systems component to it. You know, you can't just take this and say, all right, we'll use it for our company. We sell like, I don't know, I don't know, carpeting or something. It, it really sounds like it needs some collaboration, unless the learning can be done on its own. I don't know with the AI if it's strong enough, but it sounds like you need to sit down with the people and go through the issues or the possible issues they run into and kind of 
tune the, you know, the AI so that it can uh, prompt them with the right things to ask if they're not asking it and take it to the next level beyond just allowing them to ask whatever question they want, you know? Yeah, and um, so let me rephrase that a little bit because we are, uh, that is a really important component of what we're doing, but it's not exactly, um, I think, the way that you're, you're putting it there. Um, yes, we need to sit down with people, um, but it's not necessarily because we need to tune the AI a lot, okay? Uh, our technology is basically to build uh, an AI model, a natural language understanding model on top of, you know, any proprietary database. So we, this is where we put a lot of effort, and, and I think we, we reach a certain point where we can churn out a lot of models, right? And they're pretty accurate in understanding questions related to a specific database. However, um, we want to make people, we want to influence people's behaviors to use data in a casual way, meaning increase their usage of this data. If we, if we make it easier for them to get it, then we want them to actually take the action of going and and substantiating their conversations and what they're doing with data. So that brings the concept of triggers. What kind of triggers do we have to remind people that you know this is something that they could use data to support, right? Um, this is a question they're dealing with uh, either a situation or a time in the company or you know whatever they're doing right now. Well, you know if they're on a call with a customer, whatever they could use data to substantiate what they're doing right now. And so understanding what those triggers could be requires a deep understanding of uh, the company. And um, so it's not really so much of a technical issue because, you know, triggers are pretty basic, um, but it's, uh, it's a really interesting uh, thing from a behavioral standpoint because triggers will uh, induce actions, right, which are to go and get a piece of data uh, when you need it, right? And um, and until it becomes a habit, basically. How hard is it to uh, to do what you're doing? I mean, how difficult is it to understand questions and their context and their relevance and what the person's really asking for? Uh, well, um, you know, at life, I'd say it was uh, super easy because there's just a lot of components that need to work together, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's uh, the, you know, first of all, well, what is an what, what kind of questions can we answer? Right, so what's the what's the what's the language structure? Then there's identifying what is inside of the user's utterance, basically what you said and what's what is inside of what you said. So that's a lot of uh, semantic stuff. Um, and so there's there's this this whole first part, which is I need to understand what you're doing, what you're saying, right? Then there's a big second chunk, which is to say, okay, now that I understood what you said, um, where will I find the data uh, that basically answer your question, and how will I query the data source to actually get back the number, right? Um, so that's, the, uh, that's then the, uh, the query part. And then when I, once I get the result, I need to package it in a way that is understandable. Um, so uh, we basically provide you an answer that should be able to be uh, transformed into um, text-to-speech. So, hmm. you know, traditionally you get answers in the format of a uh, a chart like a pie chart or you know whatever chart or even a report or a table um, we give answers in the form of uh, an answer right so 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 packaging that so making all this work together is um is uh well it took us a, a lot of uh, a tweaking and then making that work all together in an enterprise environment with security you know confidentiality uh was uh, was pretty tricky 
And I would think you'd have to do a review of the database that you're pulling everything off of. Like, what if different fields are mislabeled or missing? You know, can you make any suggestions early on? Hey, this these two data fields are really ambiguous. I think it's going to hurt you and your ability to, we don't have this on the customers, you know, it's missing and you should go get that. Yeah, so understanding what we call the metadata of the uh, source databases, basically the data that describe the data. So I don't know, the, the names of the tables, the names of the columns, the names of the metrics, um, you know, uh, that, that's a really good point. Um, so how do, we, how do we then map that to what users say uh, we, we have what we call synonyms, right? So let's say there is a field called revenue. Um, maybe people use different terms for revenue. Maybe they have acronyms uh, that they use internally and that they feel comfortable with. So uh, we found that the most efficient way to add vocabulary on top of a database was to pretty much crowdsource it, right? So when someone asks a question using a term that you've never heard before, we usually say, well, um, Either we can suggest something with, you know, but with a sort of semantic match, uh, which, you know, we're still working on, or we say, well, can you search within the stuff that we have um, to, 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 you know, do the match manually, and, and then we'll learn from that, right? So um, with this crowdsource way of um, building our vocabulary, um, we're able to automate some of that, uh, some of that without putting too much of a tool on users because once they've done it, it, it tries to learn pretty quickly. So if you ask the same thing again, uh, it'll say, you know, well, last time you said this, um, or do you mean that, or do you want to look for something else? So, so that's, that's kind of a way, uh, crowdsourcing is a great way to make a system like this uh, really work, which means that it, it'll, it'll be a better and better experience over time. Right? You, you shouldn't expect to, um, you know, just download it, install it, and, and you it works right out of the box. Um, no, you, you download it. I mean, you don't download it. Basically, you start using it, um, and then it, it has to learn, and gradually it delivers more and more value um, be, as, as it, you know, it's trained on, on your uh, question. How do you deal mechanistically with people's voices, loud, soft, resonant, you know, uh, different accents, pronunciations? Yeah, you know, like, for instance, for some reason, I have a very hard time with like Google Assistant or Alexa or even Dragon Naturally Speaking. You know, it, I don't know, they just constantly put the wrong words. So I had to kind of speak like a robot, you know. Do you have this thing here and what is the, you know, the, how sophisticated is your system? Have you been able to listen to pretty much anyone or is there certain speaking styles that are difficult? Uh, well, first of all, I have a recommendation for you is that um, we tend to speak in a robotic way to uh, Alexa or Google Home, but in fact, um, you know, you should you should go back to, to speaking naturally because they're pretty good actually at understanding your 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 common speech. Um, maybe when you started off using it, it had a hard time, uh, but you should try. Sometimes when I speak to Alexa in too much of a, you know, either a slow pace or I try to sort out the words a little bit too much, it doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas where I just try to speak naturally, I guess it's, it's, it's better. So, um, uh, and we do tend to speak to a robot like a robot, right? Uh, so, right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like when you talk to a, you know, you talk to a child and you start speaking in this specific kind of childlike voice. And, and sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had a kid look at you and say, you know, 
why are you talking to me like an idiot? You know, and it's like, no, I'm not. I'm just trying to make it. Well, my, my, maybe Alexa. My daughter actually me. said to me, she goes, Dad, why do you talk like a robot to Google? I said, because it seems like that's the only way it understands me. She noticed it. She told me about it yeah. just a week ago. Oh, well, there you picked go. up on it. Yeah. So uh, and, and so that well, um, so that just that just confirms it. Uh, so I try to, but, but it's natural to try to speak to them like a robot. I, I do that too, right? Um, okay. So right now for this part, um, we um, we don't uh, we don't directly address this because we actually use Google Assistant or Alexa, right, or Siri okay. uh, as our uh, voice to text uh, translator, basically. Hmm. We got to piggyback somehow because. There's such sophistication in what you're doing that, uh, you know, you don't yeah, have but that. Yeah, it's also, you, you um, it's so, so first of all, yes, let's leverage technology that other people have built and probably done a better job at it than we would do. Uh, but the other thing is that, um, you know, we're, Aristotle is supposed to be kind of this virtual assistant, you know, to help you get access to data, right? A virtual data analyst, you know, at your side. Um, it'll be available through the channels that you commonly use. So if you uh, want to chat with Aristotle, it'll be in Slack or Teams. If you want to talk to Aristotle on your mobile phone, then you'll be talking through the phone and the phone's interface is, well, if it's an iPhone, it'll be Siri. If it's an Android phone, it'll be uh, probably the Google Assistant, right? So it's also deliberate to say, you know, we, we don't sell you an app. We sell you this virtual thing that sits inside of your existing communication channel. Hmm. Yeah, people prefer to communicate in different ways, some text, some talk, some, you know, touch. And so, yeah, whatever your preferred communication method is, it's best to keep you in that mode because that's what you like, you know? Yes, exactly. And and if you, um, so whatever your preferred communication method and also whatever your uh, preferred communication channel. So if you have Alexa for your car, you know, you're not going to want to add this other assistant for Aristotle, right? You'd rather just have everything mm. in the same in the same device. So we're like, let's not add more apps, more devices to our users who already have too many. Why don't we just integrate where they already are? It's also great for support and, you know, deployment and all that. We don't have to, uh, you know, handle all that. We can deploy to, you know, thousands of users without having to worry about the compatibility of our app with their phone, screen size, whatever, you know, text input method, voice translator. It's all, it's all handled. That makes sense. Okay. So what's, uh, what's in store for the next year or two? You know, what are some of your like metrics or milestones you're shooting for there? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're a tech startup, so uh, we're all about milestones, uh, achieving levels of growth and funding and all that. Um, but from a um, product standpoint and a technology uh, standpoint, I think we're, we're really focusing on uh, two things. Uh, first thing is all about understanding and answering broader questions through this semantic analysis that I alluded to previously. So if I to be able to say, or you know, users to be able to say, well, hey, um, I have a problem in you know, Germany, right? And, and identifying that problem in the case of your industry uh, refers to potentially a field in your database called error rate, right? So to be able to say, well, you have a problem, would you like to see error rates in Germany? And so, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, and how they, you know, and, and then start digging into error rates, maybe by, you know, product category and stuff like that, and then gradually identify uh, and, and answer your initial question, um, but, you know, by mapping your question to, to a database. So that's what we call fuzzy querying. The other thing is 
to fulfill. We have this vision, right? That um, our technology could voice activate the world's databases, right? So our technology is completely decentralized. So we can basically, you know, give people our, our tools to train uh, their, uh, our, you know, our technology on their database and create these kinds of skills, just like, you know, Alexa skills, right? Or Google action. And, um, and so we, we, we call the library of skills or the marketplace of skills or the skill store, we call it Alexandria, just like the big library of, you know, the past. And, um, and so we're really going to be working on uh, letting our users subscribe to the data points that they want to subscribe to, whether internal in their company or external from, you know, either paid or open data sources. So you really have a way to ask questions across, you know, a very wide range of databases and, um, and have this experience that's almost like search. If you Google something and it just goes across all websites, well, here, uh, if you could just ask Aristotle a question and it just spans across all sorts of databases and, and helps you find uh, the answer that you're looking for. Mm. Okay. Well, very good. So what's the best way for uh, people to learn more and to uh, ask questions uh, of you guys? Yeah. Well, thanks for, for asking. So our, our website is bouquet.ai, B-O-U-Q-U-E-T.ai. And um, we have uh, various Twitter handles. We, we just launched uh, Alex um, Aristotle underscore AI on Twitter to be informed about Aristotle specifically. So that's, that, that one's pretty new. Um, you could also reach out to me directly at, um, at A underscore S-C-H-M on Twitter. Um, we love to hear what questions you have and uh, hopefully be like Aristotle and answer them. That's great. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you.